from the Hill Country in Texas, broadcasting worldwide, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Well, a very pleasant uh, good morning to you, a few minutes after 10 o'clock Central Time, and this is OneRadioNetwork.com, OneRadioNetwork.com. My name is Patrick Timpone. It is January 3rd, 2023. Happy New Year. If you're just joining us after the New Year, we had a nice time uh, off and working on our screenwriting, and now we're back uh, doing our thing, and uh, happy to have you here. Appreciate your ongoing support, and we look forward to a big year of, um, you know, figuring out what the hell is going on in the world and in our lives and how to take care of ourselves. Um, We will visit the area of Donetsk, which is now Russia, used to be Ukraine, with Russell Bentley. He's kind enough to come on from time to time. And uh, we invite him on because he's been there for eight years. And um, in my opinion, and I could be wrong, but because I'm wrong about a lot of stuff, but my opinion, uh, 99% of what is presented to you in America and of the world is not accurate. And I mean, probably 99.5%. I mean, even the alternative, so-called alternative media here, you know, conservative media and all that stuff. And they, I don't think they know what's going on because I, I somehow, I just do, after talking with Russell Bentley and a few other people, a few other, very few uh, websites to find out what the truth is. So, so we're going to go, uh, if you'd like to be on the show and ask a question, 888-663-6386, email patrick1radionetwork.com. Uh, he uh, fought uh, for the, um, um, the uh, well, I'm going to tell you, the, let him tell you the, what kind of army, because I get a little confused when I say who he fought for. But you are, Russell Bentley, uh, good evening. I know it's 7 o'clock there. Thanks for coming on from Donetsk which you say is now technically Russia. You all had a referendum and you voted to be in with Russia? Yes, you know, uh, the Donetsk People's Republic has a history quite similar to Texas history Hmm. in that we, uh, as in Texas, broke away from Mexico when there was a uh, coup d'etat in the capital in Mexico City. General Santa Ana took over and then... Texas refused to live under that um, regime and so separated. Um, Texas was a republic for 10 years and then joined the United States. The Dianet's People Republic broke away after the coup d'etat in Kiev in 2014. We've been an autonomous republic for eight years. And this year we had a referendum and we uh, were invited to join Russia. We voted for it and uh, overwhelmingly voted to join Russia. So we are now, in the eyes of the people here, which is the most important thing, but also Russia and Russia's allies, we are now a part of Russia. I see. Very interesting. So what kind of support did it get uh, percentage-wise, yay or nay? for? Uh, well, you understand that since 2014, the Ukrainian army... Uh, on the instructions, basically, of the uh, U.S. Secret Services and uh, Deep State has been uh, committing daily terrorist attacks against the citizens here in the uh, 
Don Bass area, uh, which is the Don River Basin. So when we had a choice to decide whether we were going to uh, vote to live under an openly Nazi, uh, blatantly Nazi regime, then, you know, that, that, that had literally been murdering our citizens, our families and our children, bombing our cities for eight years, or to go to a country that has been basically supporting us for the last eight years, you know, it was a no-brainer, and the, uh, wow. the results reflected that, you know. It was uh, over 90% of the people that voted, including myself, uh, voted to join Russia. 90%. So this idea of a Nazi influence, you talked about it on other shows. Uh, get new listeners up to date of what the heck Nazis mm-hmm. are doing in there and uh, uh, explain how that happened, how this happened. We know it's a sad thing that uh, a lot of even, uh, <clears throat> you know, independent, intelligent, uh, alternative, progressive, and progressive in good sense, um, uh, journalists that interview me, you know, sometimes they'll say, hey, man, can you just, you know, not say Nazi so much or something like that. Really? But, you know, it, it would be a lie to call these animals anything other than that. I mean, these are guys that they, they glorified this guy, Stefan Bandera, who was a Ukrainian Nazi collaborator during the Second World War, during the German Nazi occupation of Ukraine. Uh, I mean, they, they, they have swastika tattoos, they have swastika flags, and, I mean, they say Heil Hitler, they have the 1488 signs everywhere. And the main thing, though, above all, they use Nazi, uh, you know, tactics. You know, they, 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 they murder civilians, they torture prisoners, they murder prisoners. I mean, this is all documented beyond any question. Anyone that questions it at this point, whether or not, you know, the, you know, over 90% of the war crimes in this whole war have been committed by the Ukrainian regime, or whether they are, in fact, you know, genuine Nazis in thought, word, and deed, you know, is not not qualified to have an opinion because they're either too stupid or they're lying to themselves. You know, they just they refuse to face the truth. You know, so I get tired of of, of people saying, "Oh, we know it's you know it's a little drastic to call them Nazi." No, it's not. You know, I mean, if if someone's a mass murderer. You know, you call them a mass murderer, you know, and so and that's what these people are. They're war criminals, they're torturers, they're murderers, you know, so, I mean, and, and they say Heil Hitler, they fly Nazi flags with swastikas on their tanks and in the, all over their military positions, so what, what else can you call them? What else, to call them anything else would be a lie. And what is their, uh, their depth of, uh, let me turn this, what is their depth of uh, influence in, uh, say, the whole country. Uh, I don't even know what to call it anymore because some of it's Russia, but let's call Mm -hmm. it, you know. Well, in Ukraine, you understand what's been going on that since at least the end of the Second World War, Mm -hmm. the uh, Western, the CIA and Western Secret Services, NATO countries, they had Operation Gladio and they had Operation... Uh, dynamic. And you can look these up on the internet. These are real 
you know, you know CIA operations that that armed, paid, trained, and directed, you know, genuine Nazi partisan units that continued to fight in Ukraine for ten years after the defeat of the uh, of the German Nazis, and this has gone on ever since the end of the Second World War, and. People can can simply look it up. It's not an exaggeration. It's not a you know conspiracy theory by any means. Operation Dynamic was the specific one to arm neo I mean just regular Nazis, Nazi collaborators in Ukraine after the Second World War. And so this has gone on. Uh, you know, in 2014, the uh, coup d'état in Kiev and the Maidan. At that time, Victoria Newland. The uh, Assistant Secretary of State under Hillary Clinton admitted and bragged, in fact, that they had already spent $5 billion uh, instigating this coup. You know, they had tried to do it 10 years before, in like uh, 2000 or less than 10 years before, but at the Orange Revolution with uh, uh, Timoshenko, Julia Timoshenko, some years before that. I mean, this has been... An operation that's been a goal of Western, uh, whatever you want to call them, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, of you know, since uh, it was uh, the big news, Brzezinski, who said that Russia plus Ukraine is the empire, and Russia without Ukraine is controllable. So they've been working ever since the fall of the Soviet Union to separate Ukraine from Russia, and they put many, many billions of dollars. You understand that this year alone, the United States, or last year, um, 2022, the United States put over $100 billion into Ukraine. Yes, sir. And, uh, I mean, in the European countries and NATO put even many, many billions more. Um, and the entire military budget of the Russian Federation is $70 billion. You know, so you're talking about they they gave more money to Ukraine than the entire military budget of Russia last year. So, Russell Bentley, you're you're saying that your experience and your knowledge of what's going on there, and I mean, and we have to trust your your insights in this because you're there and uh, you're obviously a patriot. And you're not making stuff up, and we've we've known that these neocons in Washington and NATO and and the forces have been wanting to to minimize Russia, as you said, Brzezinski, uh, for a long time, right? Since uh, since since the Soviet Union just dissolved. What was that, around 80, and in, in the early 80s, during Reagan, somewhere around there? Well, I mean, it was, uh, you know, ever since, you understand that at the end of the Second World War, which Russia won, Russia did 80%. Yes, sir. So the fighting against the German Nazis. Yes, sir. They lost 23, at least 23 million people in that war. And, uh, you know, they, they did, you know, they did the, the vast majority of all the fighting. And they're the ones who basically defeated the German Wehrmacht. Yes, sir. And at the end of the war, Russia was, you know, all of Western Russia was in complete ruins. Uh, their army had been, you know, worked to the bone. And there was serious uh, 
consideration at that time in, among the Western powers to attack uh, to attack Russia. That had just been the Western Allies that helped them defeat, you know, uh, the German Nazis. Right. But you know they didn't, and fortunately, there was a uh, you know uh, a parity of power with when the Russian when the Russians got nuclear weapons too. So that was the Cold War. You know, so this has literally been going on at least since the end of the Second World War. And if you go, I mean, if you look at history, it's been going back. I mean, you know, the British invaded Crimea. You know, the the French in eighteen twelve. You know, it was um, wow. Wow. Everybody's yeah. been wanting to be Russia, Russia since uh, <laughs> right. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. and, and, and uh, what Russell Bentley is saying about the history, and we've studied it with uh, uh, people like Richard Mayberry in his book, uh, The Second World War, The Rest of the Story, the truth is that the Russian army had uh, Hitler, he was dead in his tracks, wasn't he, in the dead of winter, and his, he didn't have oil, and his, his, he was all frozen up. And then they did the whole false flag of Pearl Harbor to convince the Americans to go in and then took credit for beating Hitler. And it was just all a lie. It was just a lie. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, you understand that the, uh, the Germans, you know, they took over Europe in 1940. And then, you know, they invaded uh, Russia in 1941. <clears throat> and the Americans... Didn't even declare war until '42, and then they didn't even come in. You know when was it uh, June 6, 1944, when they came in to, to Europe? You know, I mean they had fought in Italy and South Africa and Africa and stuff before that, but you know there's a very strong evidence. I mean, there's irrefutable evidence that there was a strong backing of, of Hitler. And the German Nazis, by particularly English and American oligarchs, uh, Prescott Bush, in fact, was the uh, grandfather of George W. Bush, and uh, and Herbert Walker Bush. You know, he was the banker of Thiessen. He was he was the Nazis' banker in America, even during the war. You know, this is a this is a simply known fact. You know, and. Um, you know, Henry Ford received a medal from Adolf Hitler's hand. You know, there was a lot of, you know, there, the photos of Queen Elizabeth as a little girl uh, with her family in Buckingham Palace giving the Hitler salute, you know. I mean, it's, people need to start putting all this stuff in context. They need to understand that this, you know, that the, the Nazis didn't get destroyed in... In 1945, they just moved, and they went underground for a while, and now they're back. And, you know, it's a fact that, you know, the uh, the U.S. Secret Services, the Catholic Church, the Vatican, helped thousands and thousands of terrible Nazi war criminals to escape justice, to come to the United States, Canada. They were given uh, positions of economic military intelligence, political power, and they've used that to basically uh, bring 21st Nazism into effect now. Hmm. So is the, uh, the kind of communist, Marxist, woke ideology stuff going on in this country, United States, is that 
is that part of the the same group, or do they have different ideologies? Well, it's actually the, the com- exact opposite, you know? I mean, um, it, it was, was the, the communists who defeated the, the fascists, you know? I mean, communism is based on the idea of equality. It's based on the idea of internationalism. You know, fascism, as which, uh, you know, which is basically Nazism, Benito Mussolini once said that fascism could better be called corporatism because it is the merger of state and corporate power. And, you know, and these days corporations completely own the Western governments. I mean, that's, yes. I mean, it's as obvious as, as it can get. And, you know, that is the definition of fascism by the guy who founded the fascist party. And so, you, you know, people have to admit that in the West, led by the United States, it's fascism, which is just another word for Nazism. Nazis is just another slightly more militant form, but basically Same taking over yeah. the world, making it's, it's a Latin fascism and Nazism is a philosophy of masters and slaves. It's first and second class citizens. The masters can do anything they want. The slave class. You know, just like Charles Schwab and Gates and all these people are saying right now, we're going to feed you bugs, your children are going to be sex slaves and organ donors, you know, you will own nothing, and and they say, and you'll be happy, but, you know, only a fool or someone who is not worthy to be called a human being could be happy being a slave. So, Russell Bentley, do these people... And we could call this the Davos crowd. This is part and parcel of these people, right? Exactly. The Davos crowd. Um, do, do they, they must feel at a deeper level than that Russia, Putin, now with his uh, relation with, with China and Iran, that they're in the way of this, whatever they want to do, this one world government great reset. That's exactly right. Is that right? Wow. And, and I mean... Uh, hmm. You know, Russia basically is the biggest obstacle to the plans of guys like uh, Schwab and Gates and, uh, you know, all these European kings, you know, King, uh, what's his name, uh, King Charles and, uh, you know, all these, I mean, how in the 21st century can there still be kings, you know, and, you know, there's actual monarchies in a lot of countries in Europe that, you know, people say, oh, it's just uh, symbolic and traditional. No, it's not. These people think that they are superior. They think, just like the German Nazis did, they are uber mentioned. They are like supermen, and they can do anything they want to us regular guys, which is what they're doing right now. I mean, they're really, you know, the, uh, you know, somebody recently said that, uh, you know, con- conspiracy theories are just a spoiler alerts for what's going to happen six months down the road. That's right. You know, and... Uh, you know, the, the, the so-called conspiracy theory that there is a genuine uh, depopulation agenda that's being enacted right now, I mean, again, you have to either be so stupid that you can't find your own behind with both hands or you're lying to yourself if you can't see it. Yeah, so 
you know, and that's and that's the one thing that uh, I'm real have concerned about. Probably going to be the next president is Trump, and he is a vaccine Nazi, if I can use that term. He just is, you know. He he sold out, and he's still t- saying that these things are the greatest thing ever. You know, I, I think it's, he's a dangerous man. Well, you know, um, I, I I was never ever a fan of Trump. The only thing that I'll ever say good about him, I mean, I I hate every billionaire. Every billionaire on this planet, without exception, is a thief and deserves the guillotine. You know, and. Uh, the only good thing that I'll ever say about Trump was that he saved us from the nightmare, the eternal nightmare of President Hillary Clinton. Right. And which probably was a good thing, you know. But of course, I understand. you know, he's a total scumbag. You know, it's like, uh, you know, back in 1990, I remember when uh, Clinton, Bill Clinton was running against George Bush Sr. Uh-huh. And... I was in Minneapolis and I saw an anarchist newspaper and it had the picture of Clinton and Bush and the headline was, you know, and I'm, I'm uh, misquoting here a little bit so it can be, you know, airways uh, approved, but same crap, different pile. And, you know, and I thought at that time that well, there's got to be some difference between, you know, Bill Clinton's so cool, you know, he's on Saturday Night Live and plays the saxophone, and, you know, he's young and hip, and, and old George Bush, the CIA monster. But there's no difference. There's no difference. Only an idiot votes in America in the 21st century. The election is as rigged as it can be. There's no difference between the parties. They both have the same agenda which is to exterminate most of us and enslave the rest. I mean, as literal slaves, where they make us do whatever they tell us to do, and they give us barely enough to live on in return. It seems like that's their M.O., Russell Bentley. Russell Bentley, he's in uh, Donetsk uh, area, in uh, which is now Russia. Uh, we want to do a little break here, uh, Russell, if we can, and um, if you don't mind. And then I want to just kind of dig in, I, I've, I've got a lot of questions here on, on on the war. We've been seeing some reports, and so we're gonna do that in just sure. a sec, okay? You stay right there, brother. Thanks for right, thanks sure for being will. thanks for being on the show. Um, yeah, I mean, when you really look back into the history of the whole thing, it's just, to me, it's just uh, uber fascinating, if I can use that term. Uh, if you'd like to be on the show, uh, oneradionetwork.com, Patrick at oneradionetwork.com, 888-663-6386. I think we have another mm, 20 hour, or, well, uh, till tonight. Uh, uh, New Year is the promo code for 15% off on all Sir Thrival products. And this is, uh, hey, there are two of them right here. One of the very first things I do in the morning is come sit at my meditation chair. And that's when I take my dual extracted mushrooms from Sir Thrival, the chaga and the reishi. Both of these mushrooms are immunomodulators. If you had too strong of an immune system, like autoimmunity, it'll help to downregulate and calm the immune system. If you have too weak of an immune system, like an immunodeficiency, they help to upregulate or strengthen your immune system. So whatever you're dealing with, they help to bring your immune system to balance. In addition to being immunomodulators and adaptogens, Chaga is probably best known for its extremely high ORAC value or antioxidant content. It scavenges the body of free radicals. 
And reishi has a long history being used in conjunction with meditation and for reaching higher states of consciousness. And that's why I like to take these right before my meditation. There's a lot of medicinal mushroom supplements on the market to choose from, but most are made with cheaply produced mushrooms grown on grain and either ground up and put in capsules or extracted in non-organic alcohol. Survival does it differently. We use wild harvested chaga and organic certified wood-grown reishi fruit bodies, not the mycelial extract. And then we use an organic alcohol and a hot water extraction method and then recombine so you get the full benefits of these extremely high quality mushrooms. Indeed, and it's a great company, just really good company. Uh, if you've not been uh, to Sir Thrival of late, uh, please uh, go to our website, oneradionetwork.com, click on any Sir Thrival link, and if you want to get something today, Tuesday the 3rd, you can get 15% off everything there, Shaga, Rishi, um, Colostrum, the wonderful digestive bitters they have, um, um, Pine pollen, elk velvet antler, taboo—they really have a great lineup. He has a new, a new product too. Is just uh, black walnuts, and these are sustainably. Um, um, well, they just go into the woods, and people uh, collect them around the country. Uh, black walnut trees, yeah, seriously, and uh, and that's all that's in the product. And they use a uh, a very nice CO two extraction process to get the into a powder and you could put that in coconut milk or something and and uh, it's about 20 grams of protein uh, per serving uh, so this is a nice uh, a vegetarian if you will or vegan way of to get protein into your body because there's a lot of those out there so that's pretty cool uh, promo code one I'm sorry promo code new year 15% off all survival till midnight tonight, Tuesday. Uh, we have uh, a wonderful product called the Far Infrared Sauna that we are selling for $1,295. And you can look on the interweb that Al Gore invented. Thanks, Al. And and and, and uh, you can uh, um, uh, see prices, 14, 15, 1600, something like that. Uh, the suggested retail price, I think, is fifteen ninety five. They allow us to sell it for this because uh, they do, and we take less commission. And they took, they cut a little commission too, and we made a deal. I said, I just want, would like to sell more, and they don't allow us to put this uh, price in print because then you know how Google searches pick it up and stuff like that. So um, uh, we can just say it uh, verbally here, orally, if you will. And uh, the only way to get this price is to email me, Patrick, at oneradionetwork.com. Another quick plug for this product, if you haven't tried our Pearl Seam, this is uh, from Real Pearl, a real pearl, and they they uh, um, they put it into a powder, excuse me, put it into a powder, just got all choked up there, put it into a powder without destroying the cellular matrix, and you brush your teeth with it, and it's just pearl, it's from a real living source. It's one of the best products ever. It's all we've been using on our teeth. This will help uh, your, your gums to heal up if you got some issues going on. Actually fills in some holes and cavities and stuff. We're not uh, claiming it cures cavities or anything, but 
This is a wonderful product. It's called Pearl Seam, and it's on OneRadioNetwork.com. Just click and order, get some powder, and get some capsules, and then you can take it internally, which is a great way to get calcium. The only way we recommend is to get calcium this way. You don't, or with raw milk, but then uh, Pearl Seam on OneRadioNetwork.com. Okay. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. We are talking with uh, Russell Bentley. He's in Donetsk, and now which has uh, been voted in Russia. Okay, so here I've been really interested in learning this question, and the answer to this question. Um, you've talked about in, in uh, this idea um, that we believe is a fact that that Putin simply wanted uh, NATO to to commit in the United States to staying out of Ukraine, right? For years, this is this mm-hmm. is that whole Minsk thing, right? The Minsk Agreement, um, right? So, um, so they had to know that they weren't going to do this, so they had to know at some point. Putin was going to invade, right? The, the neocons and, and, and all of that. So did it just give Ukraine a long time then to build up their army and that's as, why they're as strong as they are today? Is that fair to say or what happened? That is fair to say. Unfortunately, it's true. You know, uh, Angela Merkel and also uh, Hollande, uh, the, the previous prime minister of France, have both literally... Uh, come out and admitted that for the first eight years, you know, people must understand that this war didn't start in February of 2022. It started in, in February of 2014. Right. And so the people there, they, uh, you know, after, and when it first started, the Russian, the Ukrainian army attacked the people in Donbass. People stood up, they formed the People's Militia, um, and in 2015, the Ukrainian army was pretty much on the ropes. They tried to do uh, a military offensive and seal the border with Russia. <clears throat> it failed, a lot of Ukrainian soldiers died in that attempt, and um, so then they sued for peace. They said, hey, let's have a ceasefire, let's have a, an agreement, we'll work something out peacefully. But it was really just a, uh, a, a, a decoy and a deception, and they built up the Ukrainian army. Now, there are thousands, tens of thousands, of not only um, Western mercenaries like Blackwater and uh, Academy and those guys, uh, there are tens of thousands of ISIS terrorists that were trained and armed in Syria by the United States that have been brought in Ukraine and are fighting on the Ukrainian side. That's a verified fact. There's also at least thousands of U.S. and NATO troops that are, I mean, you know, regular uh, on-duty military troops of the U.S. and NATO countries that are working in Ukraine right now. I mean, the HIMARS... uh, Rocket systems that the U.S. has given to Ukraine. Ukraine doesn't have anybody that knows how to use those things. The guys that are shooting those 
and they're, they're shooting them at the center, civilian areas of Donetsk, pretty much on a daily basis, including today. They're being fired, uh, aimed and fired by uh, American troops. So, American, so these uh, are those, excuse me, Russell, these are those uh, missiles called HIMARS, uh, these rockets. HIMARS, yeah. And there was a story, I don't know how true it is, that there was a big attack on Russian troops in Maruka, M-A-R-I-U-K-A. Makiev. Ma- uh, Makievka, actually. Makiev. Did they kill a mm-hmm. bunch of Russian troops with those rockets? Uh, they did. There's um, there's a big discrepancy between how many what uh, we say, how many they killed, uh, which you know, at the minimum, it was in you know sixty. Okay. You know, We've so seen reports of four hundred here. Yeah. Well. Um, okay. Probably the truth is somewhere in between. It's not four hundred. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, there was also another attack in a small town outside of Donetsk the same night in which more guys were killed. So, you know, they, they kill. I mean, of course, you know, for them to bomb a base full of Russian soldiers, you know, that's not a war crime. That's a legitimate military target. Yes. On the other hand, they are bombing civilian areas of the city of Donetsk, of Makievka, of Gorlovka, every single day, every single day, every single night. Wow. So I think it's and important. Is, yeah, right. It is important to understand. You know, that's, that's straight up terrorism. Yes, sir. And the same guys are doing both. Oh. You know, the problem is that Russia came in with uh, the misconception that the Ukrainian people would be glad to be liberated from, you know, the, the foreign-installed Nazis that now rule their country. Right. And apparently the propaganda that they've been fed, you know, over the last eight years, this is another thing that's important to understand is that, you know, during the same time for the eight years that the Ukrainian army was being built up, you know, the people in Ukraine were being brainwashed, you know, and probably the most intense brainwashing uh, campaign that's ever been in the history of humanity and apparently it's worked pretty good you know there's a lot of people now that don't want to be liberated from Nazis or they want to be Nazis themselves and so it was a lot tougher fight than the Russians really expected and the Ukrainian army with the help of NATO and the US was a lot more prepared than the Russians expected and the other thing too and this is it's honorable but it's at the same time questionable strategic uh, intelligence is that you know they're they're trying to minimize the casualties trying to minimize destruction of civilian infrastructure and this is I mean and it's cost Russia you know thousands and thousands of, of uh, more deaths than it would have if they had just come in and done like say what the United States did in uh, you know Iraq or Yes, you know, Afghanistan, you know, we just come in and flatten everything. But then they would have had they to, yeah, they didn't want to kill us. The have not done that. Right. They've been very careful about civilians, hmm. you know, so-called collateral damage. And they've, uh, they've left a lot of, you know, infrastructure, all the bridges across the Dnieper River, which basically splits the country of Ukraine in half, are still standing. Most of the railways are still standing. And those should have been the first things that were taken out in a real serious military campaign. Right. 
with Russell Bentley, Patrick Timponi, email if you have a question, patrick1radionetwork.com. It is important to under, so people understand that in 2014, the CIA, Victoria Newland, the neocons in this country installed the Ukrainian president. What's his name? What is his name? It was Poroshenko. Uh, Poroshenko. And this would be like, folks, this would be like Russia coming in to this country and putting a president in that they wanted, right? Just literally what they accused that Trump did. Of course, it didn't happen. Well, but, you know, yeah. there's a... Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. There was, in 2014, there was a uh, intercepted mobile phone conversation between Victoria Newland, uh, who was with the State Department, and uh, Jeffrey Pyatt, who was the ambassador to Ukraine at that time. We heard that. It was on YouTube for years. We remember it because of her, yeah. her phrase, uh, F the EU. Right. And uh, although she didn't say it quite that discreetly, but (laughs) the point that they missed was that she was telling Pyatt exactly who she wanted in what position in the new regime in Kiev. And every single one of the people that she told to Pyatt ended up in exactly the positions that she said she wanted him in. So, I mean, so there's, you know, there's no pretense of democracy. There's no pretense of, you know, what the Ukrainian people wanted. You know, this was a, uh, a coup d'etat. They installed a puppet regime, and it's been, uh, it's been controlled completely by the U.S., and particularly Biden. And during the Obama's regime, Biden was the point man in Ukraine. He was. And uh, particularly in 2014, there were some horrendous war crimes, and uh, none of them were done except on the specific orders of Joe Biden. Well, so this whole idea with war crimes and what's legitimate and honorable or not, is it is it at this point, though, it's unfortunate, but it's just a moot point because nobody's going to ever care anyway, right? And people just do what they want during a war. Is that correct? No, uh, actually... Uh, the people here are not forgetting. The people here are not going to forgive. Uh, Russia is going to win this war. Russia is going to really uh, denazify and liberate Ukraine from uh, from the uh, puppet regime that's in power in Kiev right now. We're going to do it. Why do you Why do you say that? Uh, does he, Putin won't run out of people or money or the wherewithal to do this? You think he'll just hang tough? Yes, I do, and I guarantee he will, man. I mean, uh, really, it is. This is an existential fight, bro. Either, yep. Either, either Russia is going to win, or Russia is going to be destroyed. Yes, sir. I mean, it, it, Russia is going to be cut up into little pieces. Uh, you know, it'll, it'll be balkanized like Yugoslavia was. Yes. And and Russia is a nuclear power. They're not going to let that happen. And if it goes to a nuclear war, I mean, that's. One of the things that they have said, they say if the existence of the Russian state is threatened, we will use nukes, and they will. Yes. But they're not going to have to. I mean, there's... You don't think so? You don't think they're going to have to? No, 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 no. Russia has the absolute ability, uh, you know, militarily, politically, economically, industrially, you know, to win this war in a matter of months. It just... And it's, it's kind of, it's extremely disappointing 
and somewhat confusing that they haven't done that already. What do you think is going on with Putin? What do you think is going on? Can you conjecture? Uh, I I think that Putin is a guy who um, is very, I mean, very sincere and very serious about, you know, uh, adhering to international law. You know, it's not, I mean, when you hear these Westerners say, oh, about the rules-based order or something, that's complete BS. You know, it's either an international law or it isn't. You know, you know the rules, that's like kindergarten or, you know, if you, you know, go to a hotel and don't smoke in the room, that's a, that's a, that's a rule. You know, we're talking about international law. And, and Putin has, has adhered to it. He's also... Uh, you know, a good Russian Orthodox Christian. You know, he's he, do, he doesn't he hates war as every Russian does because they've suffered more from war in 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 the modern era than any other people in the world have. And um, so there's there's nobody that wants war in Russia, but the only thing worse. Then winning a war is losing war. So it's very, yeah, it. very profound what you said. If you look at the history and the whole NATO thing and, and Putin and how many people they lost in World War II, and Putin has to know that, as you said, he either wins this thing or Russia's gone. I mean, it's as simple as that, and he's not going to do that, right? He's just not going to let that happen. He's not going to do that. You know I mean? I, I, I expect that he's probably a little bit smarter and more well-informed than I am, but I've been saying since 2015, uh, as goes Don so goes the world. So hmm. if Don Bass falls, if for some unimaginable reason the Russians fail to take the initiative and go all the way to victory, then, I mean... And it's not just going to be Russia, you know. It's going to it's going to be the world. You know, I mean, if if Russia loses, there's no longer any obstacle to uh, you know global fascism. Yes. So uh, talk about Donbass and what what do you explain what you mean, Russell Bentley, by the idea that if Donbass loses, then the whole thing is going. Why do you say that? I don't understand. Well, because if I mean, first of all, this is now. Officially, as far as Russia is concerned, we're still we're now a part of Russia. This yes. is Russian territory. Yes. If Russia lets Ukrainian army plus NATO step on Donbass, then what's going to stop them from you know stepping on Rostov or stepping on Bryansk or you know going you know all the way to Moscow again, just like Hitler tried to do. Hmm. So Donbass is is that a big region where um, you're uh, you're located? Yeah, it's uh, it's like a, it's the Don River Basin. That's what Donbass means. Okay. It's basically half of it. I mean, and you understand that actually Ukraine has historically been just a part of Russia. Ukraine just means the borderlands in hmm. in old Russia hmm. and. The Donbass region has has been, you know, it was the wild Cossacks, you know, like the Russian cowboys. You know, Genghis Khan came through here um, in 
the early days of the Soviet Union, this area was, was uh, instrumental in the uh, Bolshevik Revolution, the uh, Russian Civil War um, from, from 19 and 20, 2019, 2020, was fought here. This area was uh, under German occupation during the Second World War. And uh, the people here have historically been known as the most patriotic, hardworking, dedicated um, citizens and, and uh, supporters of Russia in, in all of Russia or the Soviet Union back in the days of the Soviet Union. Wow. How, do you, how do you get information that you know is accurate where you are? Uh, um, give us an idea of what, if people turn on the TV or radio and, and, and you are and don't ask what they hear. Well, I don't really watch TV or listen to radio. I get my information from the internet. And most importantly, I get, I mean, almost all my friends that I've made over the last eight years here, the ones that are still alive are on the front fighting right now. Wow. Today. I'm 62 years old. If, uh, you know, if I was five years younger, I'd be out there with them, you know, but I mean, I got some health issues. I'm a little over the hill to be doing, uh, you know, uh, GI Joe type stuff anymore. Yeah, I understand. But, uh, you know, if, 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 if the Ukraps or the Nazis come into the city of Donetsk, you know, I will be a partisan. I will, I will fight. I will defend my family and my home and my city. But uh, I get my news from the guys that are on the front, you know, who, who, who get it, who, who are doing the work, who are seeing exactly what's happening. You know, so I have a lot of friends in, in the military and special services, both here and in Russia. You know, I have a lot of friends that are uh, soldiers on the front, including Spetsnaz. And uh, these are the guys that are doing the hardest fighting in, you know, in the hardest places, you know, in multiple different places, multiple different units. And so, I, you know, I have access to information that, you know, no other Western journalist that's here has access to. And I'll tell you something else, I also have a perspective that is unique among, you know, and it's like a lot of, you know, so-called alternative journalists started showing up here this year. And that's a good thing. You know, it's important to get the, the other side of the story out. And we appreciate them getting here, you know, but, you know, you got to kind of wonder where they were for the last, you know, seven years before that, you know. Um, so, you know, I mean, the most important thing for people in the West to understand is that, this war didn't start in 2022. It started in 2014. And, uh, you know, Russia did not invade. They defended. What was getting ready to happen after eight years of the Minsk Agreement BS? The Ukrainian army was getting, you know, people, I don't know if they understand, but the city I live in, Donetsk, it's a city of about a million people. It's about the size of my hometown in, in the United States, Austin, Texas. Hmm has a lot in common with it. And the Ukrainian army, the front lines for the last eight years, are literally on the city limits. You know, I mean, so if there's a major military offensive, 
you know, you know it's, it's it's an hour's drive to the exact center of the city for them, from where they are right now. And they were getting ready to do that. In 2014, when they failed to seal the border, the Ukrainian army got smashed because they went around the cities and they were in open territory, rural areas. They were able to get hit with uh, grads, artillery, rockets, like that. So their, their new strategy was to come straight into the city and use the civilians, the million or so people that's here, as human shields. Because if they're in the middle of the city full of Russian-speaking, Russian-supporting people, then that negates Russia's three main advantages in this war, which is its artillery, its air power, and its rocket power, its missile power. Because if you're, you know, if a, the military unit is surrounded by hundreds or thousands of, of civilians, you know, you can't be blasting it with uh, bombs and rockets and stuff like that. Uh, George wants to know, uh, thanks for having Russell on again, uh, what would be uh, a win for Putin? What would he have to do for the war to end? What would he have to do for the war to end? That's an interesting question. Well, um, that's an excellent question. Thanks, George. Uh, I would say that, you know, perhaps Putin and my opinions might diverge on that, but for me, I mean, the, the goals of the special operation which the, the number one goal was to stop that offensive that I was telling you about, which was scheduled to start the first week of March in 2022. The Russians coming in stopped that offensive. They saved tens, if not hundreds of thousands of lives by doing so. And uh, So this was an offensive that they were going to do that Putin knew about that he came in early. Correct? Of course, of course. I mean, it was, it was quite obvious I was... One of the few people that was that called it, you know, a lot of people said, oh, it's never going to be a war. Putin's never going to go in. I said, no, he's coming in in a couple of weeks because I had information from the guys that knew, you know, I mean, and of course, you could tell it just from the, you know, the buildup that was going along the front lines on the edge of Donetsk, you know, and also, I mean, you know, the Russians have good intelligence in the uh, general staff of the Ukrainian army. They knew. I mean, they've, they've published the plans. For that offensive, but so so that was the thing, the trigger that made them do it. And then the other stated goals are the demilitarization and the denazification of Ukraine. So those are the stated goals. Everybody in from the Kremlin is still saying those goals will be met. You know that's it's open to some interpretation. As far as I'm concerned. If, if Russia, Russia doesn't control Kiev and, and everything, you know, know, east of the Dnieper River, including Odessa, then then they lose. So you think he'll just he'll keep going they until they don't take it at least that far. If, Any kind of negotiated settlement where they say, okay, we're going to freeze the lines where they're at right now, uh, is a not going is, is a suicidal failure. Not going to happen. Boy, this, this is not good, whatever's going so, so what do you think the American people that hear this uh, interview, either today or later on BitChute or other places, people trade them around, what should be their, I mean, uh, 
their major focal point on this thing or their concern. I mean, other than the money, I think I think we, we spend American taxpayers about $100 billion so far, right? So that's that's a lot of our money. Where do you think that money's uh, gone? In, in, in the, the last year. In the last year. Where do you think all that money's gone? That must be a lot of it stolen, too, huh? Uh, uh, I would say more than half of it is being stolen. Hmm. <clears throat> it's a huge money laundering scheme. It's going back to uh, Biden, Hunter Biden. You know, uh, there's a lot of, of uh, you know, it's coming out now about this thing with the FDS and that, uh, what's his name, uh, Banking Field or whatever, the dude with the curly hair that always shows up in shorts and a T-shirt. <clears throat> with oh, the yeah. uh, Bitcoin type thing. Yeah, yeah the, big, the FTX thing. Say, yeah, yeah, FTX. You know. right. I mean, what? That was billions of dollars and it just disappeared. And then it turns out a lot of the money that, was, that the Ukraine was getting from the United States, they said, oh, we invested it in FTX. Oh, so the money that we sent, we, we lost money on this deal, American taxpayers? <laughs> that's exactly right, dude. And that's, I mean, that's just a, a small portion of it. All right. The weapons that the West has sent to Ukraine are showing up everywhere around the world, from Europe to Africa to Mexico. You know, and so you know that stuff's being diverted, sold on the black market. It's going to come back and bite the West very hard. And it's, uh, I mean, it's. It's, it's not, not a mistake. mistake. They're, they're, they're doing, doing it on purpose. You know, that's the most important thing that American people and people of Europe, too, need to understand. I mean, this is a question that I always ask Americans. And it's a serious question. You know, I was born in 1960. I'm 62 years old. And when was the last time that the U.S. federal government did something that made life better for the average American? It's a good question. Name it. Yeah, good question. You know, I mean, and that, you know, that's about a, a perfect way to, to a conversation killer that there is, you know, because there ain't. There is. They just don't. They just don't do it. Nothing. They don't. They don't. They make it worse. Everything they do only makes things worse, and they're doing it on purpose. Because you know, they want to see this whole the thing food just prices fall. going up like that. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, the, the people that make these decisions, they don't care if a loaf of bread is a hundred bucks, because they got a hundred million that they stole under the pillow. You know, so you know, the people that are you know making the decisions are like you know the best way to do it is to just let people starve. You know, they don't they don't have to kill them. They just. Uh, let them starve, you know. And, you know, one thing that's interesting, you know, Canada, too, is a, is a country very deeply involved in the crimes of Ukraine. Christia Friedland, who is the assistant prime minister, but in fact calls the shots right now. Gary Trudeau is just, uh, you know, uh, a pretty boy. You know, he's he, Trudeau is like what Ronald Reagan was. For George Bush, you know, uh, Freeland is now the pre you know the prime minister controls Canada, just like Bush controlled uh, the United States when Reagan was the so-called president. He's a puppet, the distraction. And Freeland's grandfather 
was a Nazi collaborator in Ukraine during the German occupation in the Second World War. That's a fact. She's admitted it, and she said that she's proud of it. So what about uh, the EU in general? Um, we know King Charles is in on the deal, uh, but just France. And Italy has a pretty cool gal, man. She's she's kicking some butt over there, isn't she? What's her name? Yep. Yeah. And, and it's, it's about, about time, too. And it's, I'm, I'm glad, glad to see that, that you know. Yeah. Uh, Orban and Hungary, too. You know, I mean, there are a few still patriotic leaders in Europe you know, no, but they're, they're not in England, they're not in France, they're not in Holland, you know, they're not in Spain. They're any country that has a king or a queen has to be completely suspect. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but Europe in general, the EU in general, whatever that is, and, and their whole crowd, they're still with NATO, the CIA, the U.S., and, and, and Davos, right? They're, they're in on this. On their side. But it's all, it's all the same crowd. It's exactly same, the same. It's same, the same people, exactly. Wow. That's a pretty big uh, uh, um, enemy, is what Putin's got going on for him. Right? Uh, another email. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Basically, he's, he's fighting, you know. On all sides. On all sides. NATO and the West, including Australia, including Japan, right. including New Zealand. Wow. And uh, it's a tough fight, but he's not going to lose. And, uh, you know, as the saying goes, uh, Russians don't start wars, they finish them. Hmm. Ronnie wants to know, uh, what is China's role in this? Is he supporting uh, Xi? Is he supporting Putin? Do you have any take on that or any inside information? Yes, I do. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty interesting. At this point, China clearly understands that if Russia falls, the West will then next target China. Wow. Um, the thing is that what's most certainly going on behind the, the, uh, the scenes is that Western diplomats, so-called diplomats, you know, are putting great pressure and uh, enticing China, saying, look, Let's get together and defeat Russia. We can divide it up. That's their plan to divide it up. And they'll say, they're telling China, hey, we'll give you half of Siberia. You know, we'll give you half of the Russian Arctic. You know, so it's, you know, the carrot and the stick. You know, the, uh, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's the mafia type of, uh, you know, uh, coercion, uh, intimidation, you know, Plata or Plomo, as they say in Mexico, we can give you silver, we can give you lead. Mm -hmm. And uh, so China is a bit of a wild card, but so far, you know, I mean, personally, I don't think it can be, I mean, it, it cannot be completely trusted. But at this point so far, they are uh, seeming to uh, indicate that they understand that uh Russia is a trustworthy partner for them and that the West, you know, whatever they may promise or threaten, you know, is there's no uh there's no 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 way that they can be trusted uh any farther than they can be drawn. Yeah. It's hard to imagine that she would would really trust what's been going on in this in this country for the last fifty years with the, everything, right? The wars and the lies. I, I don't think he's 
would trust a relationship. Huh? I don't know. Well, I mean, uh, you, you'd have to be crazy to do so, you know. I mean, <laughs> that's right. I mean, who's like, like, uh, a believer, you know? Jeez. Oh, you uh, know, if the sun comes up every day on the east and then somebody says, oh, tomorrow it's coming up on the west, you know. So um, there's reports that uh, a couple people that I kind of trust that are doing some research here, but they don't have the insights that you do. But they're saying this last week, um, two people that look into this, that that they think Russia is going to just, is really pissed and is going to pick up the steam here soon. Do you think that that's, well, you think that that's uh, possible? Yes, I, I think it's, it's, it's extremely possible, hmm. and, I, and I hope that they do it. You know, I, I, I think uh, that I have a pretty good idea of who you're talking about. Um, there's guys that I respect that have been right about some things in the past, but at the same time, you know, I mean, there's, there's some of these guys have been like, you know, like cheerleaders the whole time. They're like, oh, yeah, Russia can, you know, they can't be beaten. You know, I mean, and that's true, except the thing is, we're 10 months into this, you know, special operation. And, and to be honest, you know, the Russians have not moved the, the front lines of the Donbass front five kilometers from where it was for the last eight years that was held by the Donbass People's Militia for eight years. And the Russians, with all their extra advantages haven't been able to move it five kilometers since they came in coming in you know coming up on, on 10 months ago now and so you know these guys they say you know well, you know trust the plan i mean they sound like these q uh q tards you know that love trump and they're like oh yeah they're gonna arrest obama and put him in gitmo and stuff you know it's you know yes russia is gonna win uh but also yes russia has made some horrendous, tremendous mistakes, you know, that have cost thousands of unnecessary deaths, you know, on both sides and among civilians too, you know, and, and they keep saying they're going to change it, but the people here in Donbass, you know, who are on the pointy end of the stick and who, who suffer, who are the ones who suffer when mistakes get made, you know, we're, we're pretty tired of hearing you know, what they're going to do. We're, we're about ready to see them start doing it. Yeah. Well, and to be honest, they haven't yet. You know, I mean, the point is, there's, and this is a simple fact, um, that there's 700 million at least million dollars uh, worth of trade that goes on between Russia and Europe uh, through Ukraine every month. Wow. Well. Seven hundred million a month through Ukraine. Yeah. Wow. And that trade goes on train tracks, and it goes across these bridges across the Dnieper River. And so that's why Putin didn't blow those. You know, there's people who have said that's the reason why those bridges haven't been blown up, and why those train uh, tracks still exist. And I don't know if that's the reason or not, but I know this damn well. Is it those, those trains that, that go, go to Europe, you know, with, with Russian products that, you know, that are making rich guys richer when they sell them there? Those trains are coming back with weapons and ammunition and soldiers, you know, coming back east 
that are getting put into, uh, you know, Arctimolsk and uh, on the front lines here, you know. So the most simple, basic thing in war is you cut the logistics on the first day. We're 10 months in and they still haven't been cut. So there's a question. I mean, and it's not, you know, it's, it's not that the Russian general staff is stupid. They have made some stupid mistakes, but it's obviously for whatever reason, it's not known to us regular folks outside the Kremlin, but they have not had the political will up to this point to cut those logistics. You know, and it's, I mean, all this stuff where they bomb the electricity uh, plants like that, that's really just for show. Nobody here in Donbass cares how dark it is in Kiev if there's still bombs falling on Donetsk, you know? Hmm. So, until, I mean, there's certain concrete steps that should have been made on day one that, you know, 300 days in still haven't been made. And uh, until they're made, then, uh, it's, you know, all this talk about Russia kicking ass and stuff is just when. Yeah. Eventually... They will be made because they will have to be made because it will be it is it is and will continue to be an existential threat to Russia until they are. But a lot of these dudes, uh, you know, that are you know just I mean they're kind of like Pollyanna and stuff. And they're like, oh yeah, you know, Russia. You know, I mean, they they don't have the perspective. They've never been here. They haven't seen how dangerous and egregious some of the mistakes and failures that have been made in this operation so far are, and they don't really have any concrete reason to think that they're going to be fixed until they are. You know, people people here in Donbass are tired of hearing people on, you know, whether they're, you know, pundits, so-called experts, or whether they're spokesmen for the Kremlins saying what's going to happen. We're ready to start seeing it happen. I got you. Okay, Russell, stay right there. Let me do a quick uh, break here, and then we'll come back and we'll wrap it up with Russell uh, Bentley. Have a few more emails we'll get to. This is OneRadioNetwork.com. A few months ago, I don't know, three months ago, we became uh, um, uh, aware of a of a home uh, gym system program thing called X3 that I've been doing every day, and it's really cool. I mean, it's just really cool, and. Uh, the reason it's cool is because I do it, but of course that's my 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 free will I got here doing it. But this is it, it's really a a, a curious uh, setup. You can see here, it's used as a steel bar with latex bands, and it comes with about four or five different bands, and these bands have uh, a different strength to them, and you're working various muscles every day. I do it every day. I do four different muscle parts, maybe like uh, the biceps and the triceps and the deltoids and the chest and then even the calves and uh, uh, the, the booty. And it, you're using variable resistance. So it's not like weights where you just put it up. For example, uh, if you say if you're doing a um, uh, one of those things where you go above your hip, you know, like that. So if you're doing that, if you put up the, you see the weight guys do that, and then they just drop it down, and they like that. Uh, on the bands, you are having uh, a, a resistance on the muscles 
all shoulders and everything all the time. So you're going down like this, and this is where you get superior growth with no soreness. It's a pretty exciting uh, technology. Um, I'm, I have more muscle today, and I've got 76 years on my little body uh, than I've ever had. And, you know, you can be 100 and grow, grow muscles the way, you know. Uh, so it's really cool. It's called X3. It's on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com. We have a hydrogen machine that we think is uh, really, really wonderful. It's called Holy Hydrogen. And um, uh, this is very uh, easy to operate. There is no maintenance. You don't have to uh, clean it or anything like that. Uh, You can make two quarts, one, two, yeah, two quarts of hydrogen-rich water in the morning, which I do. You can see a picture of it there. uh, one of the reasons we're doing this one uh, is that they also have uh, buy now, pay later, easy payment options. And uh, we've been, people wanted this for a long time. And um, so now we have an opportunity for you to get it and you make monthly payments on it. It's a, a very interesting technology. It doesn't use lye, uh, which is one way to do it and works. Um, but this doesn't use lye and it's just a, a very excellent technology out of Japan, who are the, the premier hydrogen people. Uh, you'll see so many um, studies and, and tests and, and uh, peer-reviewed studies out of, uh, hydro, out of uh, Japan and the East, uh, much, much more so than, uh, than you will um, anywhere else. So check it out. It's on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com, Holy Hydrogen, and you can... Um, uh, use promo code one radio and get a hundred hundred dollars off. Promo code one radio, one hundred dollars off. We've been promoting a, a sulfur product for I don't know how what is it ten years now? Crazy ten years, and uh, I do it every day. Not that what I do matters to you, but I like it. It will help the body to um, oh um, get rid of uh, uh, toxins in the body, that's what sulfur does, and why these genetically modified uh, things um, are, are dangerous, because they mess up the sulfur cycle. So that's one of the reasons why you wanna, you wanna get a good sulfur like ours. It's pure, it doesn't have any um, extracurricular activity. Um, well, here's a fellow that called up our show uh, some time ago and talked about it. The, my friend was down in Los Angeles uh, recently and he brought up some pure sulfur. We just ordered some from you. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I was just looking at it and I was like, wow, you know, this stuff really is totally different. So I just, I put a tablespoon in my mouth and hmm. just chugged it with water and wow. Yeah, thanks. A lot of people get that wow thing. I felt something first time I took it about three years ago and we've been promoting this pure organic sulfur ever since. Two-pound orders, three different prices, United States, Canada, worldwide. And you can click an order right now on the front page right here, oneradionetwork.com. Previously with chemist, biologist, and nutritionist George Altgelt, we asked him this. And so what do you think about Dr. Seneff's contention that as these glyphosates are in the soil, they bust the sulfur cycle, and that's really detrimental to the body. It's extremely detrimental. 
uh, sulfur is such an important detoxifying agent for the entire body and especially for the liver. You've got to have trace minerals so that the liver can build these compounds that are essential for getting itself cleaned. And that lady who was talking about sulfur, mm-hmm. man, play that ad every chance you get because our foods are so deficient in sulfur and it is a big deal for the liver to have enough sulfur to make all those compounds that it uses to detoxify itself. Not just sulfur. They're all important, but sulfur is the one that we're so deficient in, and we need sulfur. Thanks, George. I had some this morning. You? You might want to give it a try. You can click an order right on the front page of OneRadioNetwork.com. Three locations, three prices delivered. And if you like more than four pounds for a discount, email me, Patrick, at OneRadioNetwork.com. Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. It is indeed, and it's a, a Tuesday, the 3rd of January. Russell, thanks for coming on uh, from time to time. My I've, pleasure. I have a few more questions, and then we'll let you go. And, uh, and um, So there's been reports, you know, and on the media, you never know, if anything's got any relevance at all, sir, that uh, the United States would like to take Putin out, right? Just literally take him out. Uh, do you think that they could even pull that off? And if they did, what would what would who would replace him? And would it be worse or better for Russia? Um, of of course, you know uh, the secret services of the West are very very dangerous enemies. There's been uh, many attempts on Putin's life already, but uh, so far they haven't been able to be successful, thanks to God. Uh, Vladimir Putin is a man unique among politicians in the world today. Uh, He is a giant among pygmies, and, um, you know, there's... There's no other world leader, you know, that you can name um, that, that, that has even half the experience, the abilities, the uh, moral stature that he does. Really? Really? Wow. Interesting. Well, I mean, I mean, okay, well, I mean let's, let's just look at, you know, any European leader. Let's look at Joe Biden, for example. You know, Joe Biden is a, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a disgrace to the human race. He's, he's, he's not qualified to drive a cab. And he, you know, he's the puppet in the seat of the president of the United States. Who's next in line? Kamala Harris. You know, uh, a tragic joke. And, uh, we understand. Yes, sir. You know, and then Nancy Pelosi, who, Fortunately, will soon be replaced, <clears throat> but probably just by another uh, conservative, uh, you know, version of herself. You no. Know? Yeah, Neil. So there's, I mean, there's really nobody that that could replace Putin in Russia or in the world. Uh, Dmitry Medvedev uh, may be the patriot that he is. Uh, certainly seeming to be these days 
but he spent many, many years uh, pursuing a, a kind of pro-Western and liberal stance himself. So, you know, now all of a sudden he's changed over to, you know, the hardcore, you know, Joseph Stalin, uh, you know, uh, hardcore pro-Russian. But we have to find out which one of those is real, you know, because just a few years before that he was pretty much, hey, let's be friends with America and the West. But there's nobody that, that could replace Putin. Hmm. So, so do you do you have any insights on, regardless of who is the president in a couple of years, that if this thing is still going, they must have that much control in this this country's presidency that nothing would change, really, right? It would, with the deep state and you know, Davos. Nothing's going to change in America until the people of America understand that. You know, Russia is not their enemy. Their enemy are the people that own their government. Yes, sir. And uh, have have exactly not only no no consideration for the average American citizen, but consider them to either be livestock to be exploited or insects to be exterminated. You know, uh, voting in the United States in the 20th century is simply political masturbation. It feels good for a little while, but it accomplishes nothing. It's an exercise in self-deception and fantasy. Uh, it wastes resources and time. It's uh, undignified and a little bit disgusting. It just leaves a mess that somebody's going to have to clean up sooner or later. Yes, sir. It's well said. The sooner the people in America that are you know, worthy of being called Americans understand that and do something about it. And I am indeed talking about standing, okay, you know, the people of Donbass stood up when a Nazi regime was installed in Kiev, the people here stood up. When the army was sent here to suppress our, our opposition, people stood in front of tanks and BMPs with their, you know, unarmed with their bare hands and said, hey, look, we're your citizens. Why are you here with tanks and weapons? And they were shot down, and they were run over. And uh, so they understood then what the deal was, and so they fought back. And the people in America are going to have to take a lesson from Don Bass. You know, there's nothing is going to change by voting in the United States. There's no no political party. There's no political candidate. It's just it's just another way. Not going to happen. To, to, to be suckers for four 